and welcome to The Dirt in association with Envy. Today, we will be celebrating the cream of the crop of Series 5. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm George, Grow Your Own's content writer. There's loads to look forward to in this special episode of The Dirt. We've broken the episode into several sections. There's garden fails, growing wins, team chat chaos, and plenty of great advice. First up, though, we're going to fire into a series of clips about unforgettable garden mess-ups to show you that even experts get things wrong. Now, let's hear a bit about a garden fail from one of this series' standout guests, Mark Diacono. There have been some that, um, well, it, 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 I guess non-success can be seen in lots of ways, can't it? Either it didn't grow, or it grew and didn't produce, or it was pretty disgusting when you got to eat it. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and, um, oh, and calamities. You know, I remember... Um, I was having one, you know, one of those perfect moments you occasionally get where everything seems okay. And I was driving along. I hadn't long had this little tractor and I was driving along mowing um, between trees and thinking, oh, you know, I've really got the grip of this. You know, my daughter's just born. It's a sunny day. You know, everything's good. I'm singing merrily in the tractor. And um, suddenly the whole cab was filled with this beautiful smell and um i was like oh my god what's that it's absolutely gorgeous and it was the um i just mown over two pretty good peach trees um, that i hadn't put in the ground very long and it was the the cab was filled of this lovely scent of peach wood going ting 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 across the field uh and and that wasn't ideal um so yes there's there's incompetence uh that will (laughs) cause you to fail things um planting things in the wrong place (laughs) mark was it was a fantastic guest and that just goes to show us all the experts get things wrong too. Uh, what have we got up next, Laura? Well, yes, we are now going to be looking at the fact that all gardeners have a bogey crop. There's always something that you just can't grow. So let's have a little look back at Aaron Nelson's episode. You touched on a little bit there the idea of some early failures in the garden and maybe things that didn't go quite so well, Um, which leads us nicely into the next section where we would love to hear about any of those sort of funny failures or accidents or things that didn't go quite to plan. There are are so many and I still feel very much like I'm making them today, but I think one of the most embarrassing ones um, for me is so far in the past three years, I just have not been able to get any sunflowers to grow. <laughs> and I know I know these are really simple seeds that quite often, <laughs> you know, kids grow very successfully, get them to grow as tall as the house, whatever. But for me, I've just not been able to get any sunflowers to grow. I get them to a certain stage and then they either get eaten by slugs or they just die off. And I just cannot get them to grow beyond that stage that's um that's such a it's such a funny thing that I think everybody that you speak to in the garden always has one crop like that that just no matter what you do (laughs) and it can often be something that people say is supposed to be simple and you're like just whatever I do it will not grow yeah also I've tried growing various types of mint which I know mint is meant to grow so easily and is meant to grow so many places yeah but again, it's one of those crops that for whatever reason, I'm doing something wrong that it just doesn't like. And after a little while, it will just the plant will just die off and I'll never see it again. I think sometimes you just have to admit defeat and, and that you're uh, 
you can't grow everything, even if it is meant to, you know, in theory, be something that you can grow quite easily. Then you just have to give up and try something else. <laughs> well, we don't like to give up on things on the dirt, but sometimes it is unavoidable. And as much as we try not to talk about the weather, we are British. So up next, we heard from David Boggis about late frosts and frost pockets. Um, I was, I was thinking back to examples. I mean, I've, I've, I've been growing things in the garden since I was a young child and used to grow a lot of bedding plants with my father, which we, we used to sell back in the 70s and 80s. Mm. And I can remember one year we had all these bedding plants ready, like sort of to go out. And then it was June the 2nd and there was a really hard frost. And literally in today's money, we lost hundreds of pounds worth of plants um, killed by an air frost. I think it, it, it was the year after the Mount St. Helens earthquake and there been, been a particularly cold winter that year because um, this dust had gone around the earth but mm. you know we're worrying about frost now in late April which again is a worry for gardeners but a frost on June, June the 2nd was you know, really un, un, unusual which yeah. really goes back to learning and reading the garden this particular garden was in a frost hollow and you know frost um, cold air sinks if you've got things down the bottom of a sloping garden that's where the coldest temperatures are going to be. Mm. So if all those garden fails have got you down, we're going to have a look at something a bit more positive now and we're going to hear from Rekka Mystery all about her allotment and uh, why it's inspired her. Yeah, this is such a relatable clip because Rekka talks about how proud she is of her growing space, but also the elements of growing your own that are challenging. And these are things that I think we can all relate to. Dress well. Hydrate well, and I think they work in any weather, really. Yeah. Um, so, diving straight in, we would like to ask you if you could tell us about some of your biggest gardening successes. Okay. Um, my, my most, the one I'm very proud of is having the allotment itself. Mm-hmm. I think the you, you get overwhelmed when you first get to thinking, what am I going to grow in this piece of land? Mm-hmm. I, I used to grow at home, and then I thought, I need I need bigger place to grow on. And when you do get an allotment, you think, how am I going to fill this plot? Yeah. But I think over the years, I've managed to do that. And that success is what I'm most proud of, to have held on to a plot and not given up. That, that I would say, is my most successful feeling it, in general, that I can actually grow something, I can think of something, I'll grow it and I know it'll grow because I've worked that land. I know what I can achieve out of this plot that I've taken on. So I would say that is my most uh, ambitious success, (laughs) so to speak. Uh, The other thing is trying to grow something I've eaten purely in a restaurant, never heard of it as a vegetable Mm. and thinking, what is that? What is that item? Because you'll see it in a restaurant menu and they've written Right, here, here you go, here's your chicken with, say, fennel, kohlrabi or some, yeah. some, something, something. And at that time, I didn't know what kohlrabi was. This is going back a good five to six years. Mm-hmm. I thought, what is kohlrabi? I've never heard of this vegetable. And then you look it up and you think, okay, looks, looks interesting. I think I need to try and grow it. Because I've eaten it, I know what it tastes like. Let me try and grow it then I can put my own twist towards a recipe. It doesn't have to be the exact thing that I ate, but it's something that I've had tried before. 
that's a really interesting way of um of going about things because I'm I tend to be the other way around. I'll see an interesting seed packet mm-hmm. at the garden center and I think, oh, I've never heard of that. How, what do I do with that? Mm. You know, and then I'll grow it, realize that I don't actually like that vegetable <laughs> after all. <laughs> but never mind, at least. I but grew it's it, yeah. but that that's the whole that's a whole challenge of gardening. Yeah. You know, you you want to try and you have to try. You, you can't just be set in your way saying this is all I'm going to grow these are the five six vegetables I will grow and that's it Mm. I think sometimes we need to cross that boundary and see we might like it I mean when I took my plot on we never ate rhubarb we'd never because I've eaten it in from uh in a soup from a supermarket a, a made dish but we've never liked it but once I grew my own I put my own twist to the rhubarb and we all love rhubarb and rhubarb cake has become so popular, not just in my family. I think a lot of the um, social media mm. followers I have have made this cake and they, they're in awe about it. So I don't know what it is, but it's it's lovely. I think when you do grow your own, the taste mm. changes for you and you get mm-hmm. to like a vegetable mm, or definitely. a fruit. Yeah, I, agree. I think um, with the things like kohlrabi as well, So it's been really great to hear about what Rek is proud of on her allotment, but we'd also love to hear about what you're proud of. So do get in touch with us on our social media platforms, which are in the description of the episode. Definitely. Sometimes it's those little special moments in gardening that that make you proud, that are the things that live with you and make you want to go again next year. And we're hearing uh, about one of those now from Mark Diacono. Yeah, do you know what? um, I... It's, it's it's always more memorable to to keep in uh, you know in the front of brain all the things that that went wrong um, you know rather than go on about oh that was what a genius I was I thought of that <laughs> and that worked um, but I think um, not not really knowing what I was doing early on meant that I asked a lot of questions um, or, or, or I, I I didn't know that certain things couldn't happen so I tried a lot of things that maybe not that many people had grown in this country before and um, some of them worked out so. Um, that was pretty nice. I mean, there were some really kind of life moments. You know, if you if you happen to have 20 minutes pain-free on your deathbed and you get to think back and go, do you know what? That day I sat underneath a peach tree and the first fruit that I had from a peach tree that I'd planted mm. landed in my lap. It actually landed in my lap. from tree. And that is your perfect peach. <laughs> you don't want to pick it. You want to catch it. That's the thing. And honestly, I ate, I, I ate that peach and... It felt like everything was kind of worthwhile, you know, all of the planting of this mowing of 17 acres of the, the small holding back then. Um, with this peat, it was more of a drink than a, than a than something to eat, and it was just exquisite. It mm. was it was like entering a, uh, a it, it, you know, what, it, it was it was you know the, the moment I don't know the first time you dig up some really nutty spuds or you pick the first peas and you just have them out of the pod raw. Yes, you, you, and you and you you feel that glorious thing of. This is what it's all about. God's sake, the flavour, the pleasure, all of that stuff. It was like having like having that again, but in big spades, because there's something about fruit, as much as I love veg, something about fruit that feels luxurious and maybe um, unnecessary. You know what I mean. <laughs> now, I know what you're probably thinking. There's one thing we haven't heard enough about in this episode, and that's peaches. So now, we'll throw to the two dirty boys. We would like to ask you if you'd be able to tell us about some of your biggest successes since you've been growing your own. 
I think one of the biggest surprises and successes came in the form of a dwarf peach tree, which Mm -hmm. we weren't sure whether that was going to work well in the UK. You know, we're not really famous for growing peaches. Um, And Robin whacked this thing in the ground and we just let it do its thing. And it rewarded us us with probably 20 delicious, juicy, perfect peaches. Wow. It really was an easy thing to do. So highly recommend it. I think it was probably the peachiest peach I've ever eaten. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it's, you know, you kind of, you, you, people always say, oh, you know, it's it's so nice because it's tree ripened, um, but it really did make a difference. And then we were so excited for the next year. Um, and then we had leaf curl and the whole crop failed oh, no. last year. Yeah, yeah, disaster. So then last um, autumn I built, um, we built a, uh, like a water cover like a little a little house over the over the peach tree um which kept it dry over the winter because apparently that's the problem that the water gets into the little um buds in the spring and um cause this kind of fungus to grow um so this year i was like this is never gonna work <laughs> this is so ridiculous building a little house for a peach tree is like another <laughs> level of marie antoinette that i don't need to get into um and then amazingly it's it's incredible we've got a whole nother bunch a bumper crop of peaches forming all the leaves are perfect so it really does work yeah oh yeah, amazing and as you say that's i mean obviously um any any crops that you grow and get get good harvests of it's really satisfying but with something like peaches where you probably go into it without a huge amount of expectation the first time it must feel even more sort of magical that it's happened really doesn't it totally anything a little bit tropical or you know or mediterranean we're going from tropical mediterranean growing all the way to a sunny essex allotment owned by Adam Barnes, who appeared in the July issue of Grow Your Own magazine. He's telling us all about the changes that have taken place on his allotment. So did you find that, um, did you find the absolute blank slate sort of start absolutely from scratch? Did you find that exciting or overwhelming or a little bit of both? (laughs) Completely excited. My problem is I love to see change. Um, Yeah. I like making things out of scrap. I like because I like to see what that on the that on the floor there, that pile of useless stuff, can mm. become. And that's what I've loved about make, doing this allotment is um, seeing a field transform into exactly what was in my head. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's that's the the best part I think about having this allotment is is seeing my ideas come to life and to fruition and working it's working <laughs> mm, yeah yeah it must make you so proud when you look at it and think what it was like when you first started and as you say the the transformation I think on allotment spaces it can be really really mind-blowing the transformation can't it yeah when I um I was looking through pictures last night and the the first picture I posted on Instagram was a picture of where the grass was and it was literally up to my chest all over um the shed that i've got now it was on its side and it was rotting because mm. obviously it was being rained inside um and then i looked to what it looks like now and it's it's unrecognizable mm. completely i took a picture i took a picture the other night in sunset and it is it's, it's beautiful now mm. I, I well i think anyway other people might think differently, but 
it's exactly what was in my head and I'm, I'm thrilled with it. Well, now that we've had some successes and some fails, you're going to hear some nonsense from our team chats. But first of all, we're going to have a little message from our sponsors, MV. MV is a family-run, environmentally conscious business based in Derbyshire, supplying high-quality, high-concentrated garden solutions straight to your home. Their award-winning range consists of organic fertilisers, soil conditioners and pest control products, as well as some truly unique products that encourage earthworms in soil and improve the quality of shop-bought compost. Envy believes small packages can lead to big possibilities. By using packets where possible to hold their premium ingredients, they're able to reduce their packaging by an astonishing 96% on average. The Envy range is available to buy from their easy-to-use website where they offer free UK mainland delivery on every order. The website contains lots of useful growing guides and gardening content for both amateur and experienced gardeners alike. Their knowledgeable customer services team are available to offer help and advice. Go green with Envy at envy.co.uk. That's envii.co.uk. Oh, we miss Blake so much. It's so sad. But the good thing is he will always be with us on these records. And now we're going to hear Blake talking about everybody's favourite allotment here, Gerald Stratford. Uh, recently. So I certainly didn't see this story coming, but a while back you may remember that we had a lovely chap on the podcast named Gerald. And yes. um, he's for a while been causing a bit of a storm over on Twitter with his uh wholesome vegetable growing content to the point that he's nearly got 300,000 followers now he's very wow. very popular he's kind of become a bit of a internet sensation so so well um, deserved yeah so i've been following him and following his kind of uh rise to stardom and noticed <laughs> and this is so random that he's been working with the fashion brand Gucci which <laughs> What? Seems like a, a strange pairing. Um, yeah, actual Gucci and actual Gerald Stratford have wow. paid up for a campaign around there in the garden with Gucci. So uh, tell project. me, what the, so, what does this fashion entail? Uh, so in the videos um, that they've put out, he's donning this um, stylish and sturdy pair of overalls. Um, very practical. Uh, it's from their off-the-grid collection. So hmm. um, this collection is made using recycled organic sustainably sourced materials um amazing sort of like from abandoned it's like upcycled I guess from regenerated from abandoned fishing nets old carpets that kind of uh thing that I guess would normally go to landfill but they're reusing them so um yeah not not the kind of gardening (laughs) news that you might expect to see no but are we going to see Gerald on the catwalk on a catwalk near you soon I won't lie, he was absolutely just like bossing the whole thing. Like he looked like a total pro and like he'd been doing it for years in the videos that I saw. He was like showing all these young hipstery people around his garden and giving tips and um, recommend checking this out. I have a little uh, search on Google for it because it is very wholesome. 
That's amazing. We absolutely loved that story here at Grow Your Own, <laughs> and Gerald's been so, so popular this year. We think he's probably going to be the next Bond, so <laughs> just uh, just hold that thought. Um, the other thing that's been hugely popular this year, though, is just growing more generally, and I think we're going to hear more about that next, aren't we, Laura? Yes, and the completely unusual scenario of Blake being in a garden centre. Sort of give you a bit of peace for for a while I think that's really brilliant news yeah I believe that as well I was at the garden center at the weekend and it was busy like everybody Mm -hmm. seems to be really um embracing their outdoor spaces and wanting to kind of invest some money in them and buy new plants and stuff and even actually I spoke to my mum at the weekend and she doesn't grow stuff in her garden ever and she was like, right, we've been to the garden centre. We've got like 10 different types of herbs. We've got tomato <laughs> plants. We've got chilli plants. We're ready to go. Oh, you know, we're, yeah. we're embracing our green thumb this year. So, um, yeah, even from a, an anecdotal point of view, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, um, that's so great. Although, Blake, you at a garden centre, well, I never. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy any houseplants this time. I've, I've learned my lesson not to. So um, I, I actually got some new herb plants myself, which was quite nice for my little herb garden. Um, some strawberry plants uh, and some compost, obviously, because you can't really go to the garden centre and not return with a bag of compost. No, this is can't. very true. Oh, strawberries. Are you so excited to feel strawberries? I can't wait. Yeah, I, I'm going all out. I've, I've bought quite a lot. Um, I, I think last year I realized that I really like eating strawberries and mm. um, you get quite a lot of bang for your buck with them. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to embrace that and, and grow more of them this year. Yeah, I've added some new mm. ones to my strawberry bed this year and I'm so excited. You know, when it's the sort of thing where every day you go out there and... That excitement was very well placed because I've eaten some of the strawberries now and I have to say they were delicious. In fact, might go and pick some more. Fantastic. Now, have a little (laughs) strawberry snack while we listen. Well, while uh, while Laura goes out picking strawberries, we're going to hear Alice Fowler, uh, who was another fantastic guest on The Dirt. And she asks, I think, my favourite question on this series of The Dirt, which was, does a parsnip feel kinship with a carrot? kind of attitude in the garden and um, so speaking of speaking of which um have there been times where you haven't got things right and what those uh sort of learning experiences where you've perhaps tripped up on things or, or not quite got things uh 100 perfect in the garden oh my god i like how long do you have <laughs> my entire life <laughs> as long as you like. <laughs> my entire gardening career is about messing up um i mean like i say i really do have this attitude that it, if you go to the garden with this sort of curiosity rather than this prescribed idea that that it is more fun but it's possibly more kind of eye-opening and so I spend my time disregarding rules endlessly to see what happens if you kind of push them and where the boundaries truly lie and whether they're necessary in any way so Mm -hmm. so much of my gardening is absolutely disastrous (laughs) (laughs) because you know I've I mean uh, yeah, because I I have really, really gone right the way to the edge of the boundary to see what's happened, and particularly in polyculture, which is this idea of growing all the um, vegetables and all your flowers or whatever, growing them together in a kind of in a in a muddle rather than monocultural kind of straight lines. You have to spend a lot of time experimenting. Like, 
you know, who does a carrot really want to sit next door to? And is it really bothered if, a, you know, a lettuce kind of shoulders it a bit too much? Or how does it feel about hanging out next to a, um, a dill? Or, you know, do, does it does it feel kinship with a parsnip? Or does it just feel competition? And and one of the joys about re- writing um, Eat What You Grow is, is that I sort of started this polyculture journey roughly 15 years ago and wrote my first book about it the edible garden and this is almost 10 years on and I have learned so much in that 10 years about who you can really put next door to each other and how close you can get away with kind of in terms of spacing and and who doesn't mind the other person's watering requirements and sort of all of those things Mm -hmm. so and and the only way to learn that is to get really crappy carrots <laughs> and you know cabbages which are just like never headed i like oh okay so you didn't like that <laughs> yeah. um no so shit. yeah really there's um there's been a lot of that and uh, you know some of the things that are more obvious i guess time and age sort of changes i really do understand now that a kind of certain size of a crop is because you are in incredibly consistent with say watering and feeding um and you know I think when you start off Mm. you think oh can I get away with this or how you know how much can I get away with and now I know if you want that kind of classic looking big vegetable you have to be there daily um and you can't go on holiday (laughs) Uh, um, you know, and you are married to that vegetable. Um, and equally, I think it's sometimes quite nice just to kind of have that realization that maybe that's not a priority. Because yeah. for me as well, I'd just be like, I, I know, I'll just get I'll try and get away with this, and if it works out, it works out, and if it doesn't, you know, I'm not too bothered about if I lose that crop. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's quite nice when you come to that realization that maybe you don't always want to have the biggest, the most yeah. perfect um, veg in your garden. I had this really kind of breakthrough moment because I think I'd been telling myself that, you know, oh, it doesn't matter, da, 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 da. but like deep down, always feeling a bit like, mm, why, why are their cabbages bigger than my cabbages? You're going to tell me now that it does. Uh, <laughs> and then I was, uh, I went to see a garden in Ischia, which is one of the islands in the Bay of Naples. It's the largest island in the Bay of Naples. And um, a friend over there, and he said, you know, come and see this incredible grower um he's also the 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 island's mechanic um and and everybody on Ischia produces a bit of wine has their own vegetable garden you know all of the um all the obvious things that you think of like southern Italians uh and we went to his garden and it was on Ischia is a big rock essentially that sits in the Bay of Naples and his garden was essentially on a cliff uh and at the base of it they had the where he did all his kind of mechanic stuff there was a kind of sort of car park and then it just really was very sheer and it went right the way up to the top where he had a little kind of cabin Mm -hmm. and he grew the most incredible vegetables but it was so higgledy-piggledy and it was really not what I thought of as Italian vegetable growing either where where it can be quite kind of regiment and 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 very sort Mm -hmm. of um very aesthetically pleasing, but very sort of straight line. Instead, you know, there was tomato here, and then there was a lemon, and then there was a goat, and then there was another tomato kind of tumbling off another, because it was a sort of, 
you know, it's a sort of cliff face with ledges. Yeah. And, and in these pockets on these ledges, he was growing stuff. Um, and, and, you know, the garden was the most sort of extraordinary, really, truly extraordinary space I've ever seen. And you'd say to him, oh, why are you growing this here? And he'd say, ah, lemons like it there. Like every answer was like, ah, you're a melon, wouldn't you want to sit here? And, <laughs> and um, then... You know, at, at, on top of this, there were rabbits. They eat a lot of rabbit on Iskia. So the yeah. rabbits in like little huts all over the place. And then like, like, you know, these these goats that were just hanging out. And he had this kind of cave, which is very typical also, which is sort of his house was sort of built into this sort of cave space where he, he made his wine. And we ate this unbelievable meal, drank his own wine. Um, and... You know, like the food was so delicious. And I looked out on the garden and realised by most people's standards, it looked an utter mess. Mm. And 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 quite a lot of the produce wasn't like a classic size that you would expect. But everything just tasted phenomenal. Mm. And, and I think it was a really, like I remember just having one of those afternoons where you think, gosh, I didn't realise life could be this good. Mm. But also like I can let go of a lot of hang-ups I have about what vegetable gardening should look like because actually all that matters is that once it hits the plate it tastes as good as this does and Mm. everything else is actually utterly irrelevant as long as it's Mm. good and and I think once you have Mm. that kind of you take that thing the cabbage that looks a mess in the vegetable garden well as long as you've got enough out of it for supper it really doesn't matter if it looked a mess in the vegetable Mm -hmm. garden it doesn't matter how many holes it has in it as long as there's there's enough for you to do something with when you get it into the kitchen and I think since that I've yeah dropped a lot of angst about you know having a plot that looks what other people consider should look like and and now I'm just ruthlessly after flavour And from a ruthless pursuit of flavour to a ruthless pursuit of, well, anyone trying to come onto your allotment, really, <laughs> Laura broke some amazing news in, uh, in one of our team chats this series. I would like to ask you both, how, how severely would you defend your garden? How far would you go in defence of your growing space? Um quite far I don't know. <laughs> would you and this is very important would you go on the attack with giant rhubarb oh, wow <laughs> basically <Tell us> this <laughs> is a story that was on mylondon.news and the headline is grandmother 78 prepares to defend her allotment from duke armed with giant rhubarb <laughs> she and her fellow allotmenteers are determined to stop the duke of northumberland building flats on their green oasis oh sorry God. did you say this was news or a children's story what, um... <laughs> well do you know what it does sound fictional doesn't it <laughs> maybe this is what they could do maybe they could raise funds for their plot by turning it into a story about a superhero gran who yeah. saves the local green space it's the fact it's a duke as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah well it does actually say here in this um in this piece back in the day dukes or knights had a score to settle they'd charge in on horseback and attempt to knock each other out of the saddle in bloody (laughs) jousting matches but the current duke of northumberland ralph percy wants to win a battle he's fighting in his own london backyard and he's going to have to strap his armor (laughs) to face a much more deadly weapon grace and her giant rhubarb (laughs) 
Brace Bray, <laughs> 78, is one of a group of rebel vegetable growing allotmenteers who are determined to stop the Duke building flats on community allotments. Uh, well, well, given what we were just talking about, about the lack of space and outdoor space in, you know, places, mm. I think it, there's here's proof that people really do want yeah. it and are quite passionate about keeping mm. hold of those spaces. So well, good on Well, them. also here it says... If anyone does try to take your garden space away from you, fear not, because there is a mobile solution. <laughs> I've been reading about this hilarious new craze and trend right. that is going around, which has been termed gardening. Have you heard of it? Gardening. It's not gardening in a cardigan. It's <laughs> gardening in your car. Right. So uh, with yeah, limited space and works. stuff, which we've spoken about a bit recently, lots of people are actually putting plants inside their cars now. As in, uh, in soil? As a way of like... In their cars. Yep. So either having like a little plant pot in their boot or on the dashboard or um, lots of people are doing uh, using um, cacti and having those on the dashboard because obviously they like lots of sun and heat and stuff and don't mm. need watering quite so much so um perhaps something that makes a good good option there but yeah. adding a bit of greenery to the um to their cars so i wonder hold what you on. thought about that hold on hold on hold on a car is basically a mobile green <laughs> it is i, w- I will confess <laughs> you're onto something that here <laughs> that it's probably not a great idea to have your big old bushy tomato plants in front of your eyes when you're trying to yeah they the do say that in the article that yeah maybe that, like, the insurance company might not seats. be too happy yeah take out the back seats though slam in <laughs> some grow bags Bingo. that's true the passenger footwell maybe that's not what yeah. the actual story meant yeah <laughs> maximizing space uh they yeah. do say if you have got uh, some cacti in the front then it might not be great for the <laughs> airbag evidence to come oh out. no oh my um, goodness do some damage there but and also imagine if it like if you had to put the brakes on quickly mm. or something and it flew off into your face so yeah i'm not sure quite how practical it is maybe it's just one of those funny well, online trends mm. that will disappear no, i think this months, can go further um, i think if you do make it an edible greenhouse then there's an argument for it actually being really really sensible because imagine you break down you're there you've got to wait hours for the tow <laughs> truck to come and get you Gosh. you've got snack. <laughs> got a little snack whilst yeah. you wait yeah you or if you're stuck in traffic yeah uh, i mean no, don't I, I think, snack and drive but <laughs> i think the solution is an orchard in a trailer yes that you tow along that you just, behind. yeah you tow along <laughs> behind you the whole time <laughs> Yeah, or that would actually be a good solution for people that don't like going on holiday because they have to leave their allotments. Just bang your allotment mm. in the trailer and off you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Everyone gets holiday. Perfect. Um, yeah, I thought this was kind of fun. And as much as it's a bit of a joke, I think the idea of maybe having one small plant in your car is quite nice if you've fixed it down firmly and stuff. Yeah, um, definitely. So I'm considering it. Well, also, don't they say that plants make you feel more relaxed and everything? So mm-hmm. surely being relaxed. Sometimes in a driving, I need that when I'm driving. Yeah, like you're in a situation that would normally be like a bit of a road rage situation, but you look at your little plant and you think, no, I'm going to breathe. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. But we accept yeah. no responsibility for people injured by cactuses in any car crashes. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Caveat with that. <laughs> I suppose that's the, that's the flip side of the coin. You then have the like sharp 
thing in your car that if someone's annoying <laughs> you, you can <laughs> sling it out the window. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear it has to be said we do talk some um shall we call it organic matter on the dirt well actually speaking of organic matter we uh, we were hearing just about exactly that from uh, from Arga and Kay when we spoke to them and they gave us some top composting tips oh it's just yes yeah. so have you managed to use any of the compost tea that's coming off of it on your on your plants have you noticed that that's helping them at all or? definitely we uh we have uh, a variety of different <laughs> infusions at the allotment we uh we don't use any chemicals um because we we are well basically if we wanted to do that we might as well just buy cheap vegetables from a cheap supplier um yeah. therefore we we make sure that our, our our vegetables are completely chemical free so um yes the runoffs from the compost bin were fantastic especially for our tomatoes mm. we use them for those um but apart from that we also have um a variety of other things like we've got a nettle tea we've got uh, comfrey feeds and we also use some deterrents like um and onion water to spray mm. things um so uh, yeah we save um onion skins and we soak them in water and spray our brassicas mm. and kay actually did a, a trial last year she sprayed all of our kales but one with that um uh, concoction and we ended up with uh, one completely bare root of kale <laughs> and the yeah, eight stunning stunning heads of kale so mm. it definitely works <laughs> what does that do for anybody that's listening that so we doesn't... just save our onion peelings and garlic peelings and what we then do we learned that because <laughs> we just put them in a bucket and we're putting the uh, can in the bucket uh, mm -hmm. to get water out but then it gets blocked and then so what we do now we'll but we'll use old pairs of tights and we'll st stuff the legs <laughs> with these concoctions of either onion peelings or or whatever and then we don't <laughs> you should see us it <laughs> things that you thought you'd never ever do because it obviously filters that you dangle the the tight legs in into your buckets so it infuses and then you just take them you just take them out and move on to another bucket and you you then just pour it over these uh these kale and you just watch the caterpillars and things they just drop off because they mm. hate it and i don't think it harms them either i'm not really sure what happens to them then it smells a bit um like a burger van because obviously <laughs> but i just <laughs> to leave one kale and it was it was just this stalk completely picked clean this stalk and all the others were really healthy so i'd say save your onions save yeah. your onion, right. skin. onion peelings definitely. yeah definitely it works <laughs> so we go from one great tip as to how to keep your brassicas healthy and unscathed to an unusual tip about how to put birds off of your strawberries so on last week's episode, I was talking about how much I love strawberries. Yes. Who doesn't? Um, and that I got some plants from the garden centre. Uh, I've now planted them out into my troughs and planters and hanging baskets. Amazing. So that's good. That's another job ticked off the list. I'm mm -hmm. glad I got that done. But I also saw something on Instagram this week that I thought was quite interesting that I had never thought about. And I thought maybe other people might like this as an idea as well. It's mm -hmm. kind of a bit of a hack. And it comes from one of our faves, Rob Smith, right. um, who always has loads and loads of handy shortcuts and good ideas and things that you're like, oh, I'd never thought about doing this, but I bet that works. Um, and this is another. So if you grow strawberries and you've had problems in the past with 
birds coming and pecking at them and you know nabbing some of your crop yes Um, which is always very disappointing yeah you might put nets over them um which sometimes can be a bit controversial because you know you're like do you want to put nets over them and they might trap the birds or something if Mm. you haven't pulled them taut Mm. uh so if you're looking for a new uh way to keep the birds away rob smith says you can paint a pebble or two or three or four red place them around your strawberry plants right and because they're red pebbles and they look a bit like a strawberry the birds come down they're like oh this looks tasty they go to peck them they realize that they're actually stones (laughs) they don't want them they fly off and then when your strawberries come on later in the season they associate those red Ah. fruits as being the thing that they didn't want earlier in the season and they won't come near them not sure whether this works I think he's just giving it a go because somebody told him about it I mean it sounds logical I kind of it sounds sounds logical doesn't it so I'm like maybe this will work so I if anybody else is listening and they're like I've been doing this for years um, let us know, get in touch. Um, And if it works for you, that would be really Mm. useful to know. But yeah, you know, when you're like, this is such a genius and simple thing, like how long is it going to take to paint some pebbles red? Not that long. Yeah. Um, And if you're growing a lot of strawberries and you want to keep the birds away. And does it then work with other kinds of fruits as well? I mean, I know you'd have to work out how to like suspend a pebble on a bush, but could it work with other kinds of fruit? <laughs> yeah. I guess if it works with this, why wouldn't it? Yeah, so you might. <laughs> oh, I'll be so interested to hear. Let's get crafty. So if you're less worried about keeping birds off your strawberries and more worried about getting them into your garden, then we've got another tip for you. I'll get us uh, kicked off. Um, so this is an interesting one that I saw in the Herald Scotland Um on their website. So I know recently we've been talking a lot about how to encourage and sort of invite wildlife into the garden. Mm. And obviously one of the most popular ways of doing that is bird feeders. Um, And lots of brands sort of sell bird feeders on the back of uh, the claim that they're squirrel proof. But um, Matthew Tume from the RSPB says that no bird feeders really are. So, um, yeah, if, if we've been sort of worrying about squirrel-proofing the bird feeders, he says it's sort of impossible to do it completely. Um, but the, he did sort of offer a few tips on workarounds. Right. And I just thought that was, uh, yeah, maybe an interesting compliment to some of, the, some of the wildlife discussion we've had recently. So one thing you can do is... is um, different seed mixes are more attractive to birds and squirrels so there's a lot of advice out there on that the other thing is placement so if you put your bird feeder right up near the fence then it's easy for a squirrel obviously to run along it and jump Mm. onto Mm. your bird feeder um and the other the other thing is sort of natural alternatives so i know personally here we had uh teasels in the garden which attracted a lot of bullfinches and you know different birds like different uh different plants don't they so i don't have you, have you two had any any plants in in the garden that have attracted particular bird species or anything like that or or any natural alternatives to a bird feeder maybe um not really here because uh, as i think i've mentioned on 
a couple of previous episodes we have the seagulls that are like the size of small dogs here so yeah we don't tend to get a lot of other little birds although i did see a sparrow in the garden yesterday which i thought you know quick get out before the big (laughs) big seagulls (laughs) arrive um but no that would be really interesting to know in a in an area that isn't policed by enormous seagulls i'm going back to squirrels again i do have a resident squirrel that's uh i don't know he doesn't look like a baby but wasn't here last year and um keeps well all through the winter he seemed to be burying food and stuff in um my planters outside which was kind of cute at the time i was like (laughs) oh look at him and i'm obviously saving it up for later but has now been rummaging when I've been planting seeds and keeps like knocking the seeds out or eating them or something and now stuff isn't coming up so not too impressed. Mm. So from some specific advice on encouraging birds into your garden there something a little bit more general Sinead Fenton gave us some of the best advice we've had on the dirt this series. Cool though I like I like that you've just kind of been learning as you've been going along. Yeah yeah I think I think it's the best way to go in this type of field, especially if, you know, you're not someone that's from like a farming background or Uh or a growing background. I think it's very easy to kind of get bogged down into these ideas that, oh, I've got to go do a course. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Actually, this industry or like growing or gardening, the best thing to do is just to get on with it. Mm -hmm. Like just get some seeds, put them in the ground and see what happens. Yeah. Because if you've got a good environment, the environment will look after you even if you haven't got a good environment chuck some nasturtiums in or calendula and they'll just they'll run wild so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's the best kind of thing to like learn on the job as you go ah that is such great advice and we have had a lot of great advice on this series of the dirt it's been so fun to record and we've had loads of great guests fun team chats and we really hope that you've enjoyed listening to it even half as much as we've enjoyed recording it now of course We will be back soon with series six, so we hope to see you there. But in the meantime, why don't you have a listen to our back catalogue right back to the first episode of series one with the legendary Charles Dowding. But in the meantime, from myself, George, and the recently departed Blake, although he isn't actually dead, he's just gone to another publishing company, so he's dead to us. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, we hope you've enjoyed the series and we look forward to the next one. From all of us here at Grow Your Own, until next time, happy growing. Thank you for listening to The Dirt in association with Envy. You can find an amazing range of high quality organic feeds, fertilisers and pest control products at envy.co.uk. And don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode of The Dirt. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all your lovely garden and allotment neighbours where to find us. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for The Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 
to receive seven issues of our magazine, Grow Your Own, straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, we're on the hunt for podcast guests and the next one could be you or someone you know. If you, a friend or a family member, has some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters they'd like to share, let us know by emailing thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk.